neighbor and say, don't ever let the fire go out. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I want to uh, you go to Luke, the fifth chapter, uh, starting with verse 37. We're going to read from there. Let me encourage you to make sure you're here next week. You're going to enjoy Lonnie Riley and his story of how God just worked a miracle in the mountains of Kentucky. And you can't accidentally wind up in Lynch. It's it's at the end of the world. I mean, it's at the end of it's at the end of Kentucky, and from there, if you keep driving, you go up Black Mountain, and when you get to the top of that, that's the highest point in Kentucky, and it's amazing what God has done down there, and we're honored to be able to be a part of that. Let's pray together today. Father, we thank you for your word and just ask you to have your way. Lord, we understand that, God, without you, we have nothing. But God, with you, we possess all things. I ask you, Father, to speak to our hearts and into our lives today. Help me decrease, God, so I can let you increase. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody say it with me, made new. I thought about how that we like things made new, right? I mean, how many of you like to go out and shop for new clothes? Oh, you let my wife's throwing her hand up. All you ladies are looking at your husband like, no, I never go. <laughs> like to shop for new clothes. And if you go into the store and you go up to the shelf and you pick up some clothes that smell like somebody's been in them, you're putting them back because you want something made new. <laughs> I thought about how that when I was doing mission work and we uh, got a storehouse up and we started gathering clothes, seldom did I get new clothes given to me. I would get blouses with stains on them, pants that the zippers didn't work, and shirts that had, did I say shorts? Shirts that had tears in them. And I finally had to start announcing, don't bring me something you won't wear. I found out that I became a a, a drop-off station for everybody's yard sale for all the things that wouldn't sell and all the things that they'd gather up and say, whoa, hey, there's a place down there, we can get rid of this. And how many of you know that we like it new? You know, I I remember I was given uh, vehicles to take to Mexico, and sometimes those vehicles, it was a challenge to get them there. I I had somebody give me a van one time, if you would throw that up. Now, this isn't the exact van, but it's pretty close to it. That van van got 100 miles per quart of oil. I'm not exaggerating. Every 100 miles, I had to put a quart of oil in it. I traveled 1,500 miles down there, 15 quarts of oil. And I know that I put them in there because when I got down there, they were blown all over the trailer I was pulling. And it was just, man, I I can't tell you the number of times that I had to pray vehicles through. You know, we went on one trip. I had 11 flat tires, and it was like, God, you know, what's going on here? And, And then one day... I was uh, coming back, and I I looked out in a field. I was at this guy's house. I looked out in the field, and he had a truck out in that field. And I I thought, man, it's a dually. Everybody say a dually. And the the bed was kind of tore up on it, and there was mud slung up all in it, and I think one of the windows were missing. But I I went in, and I asked him, I said, how much you want for that? I said, does that truck run out there? And he said, 
yeah, it runs good. He said, he said, we just put it out there. The bed's messed up. I said, how much you want for it? He said, well, if you want it, you can have it. I said, really? I said, praise God, man. And I was so excited. I went home, and I was thinking about everything I was going to do. I thought, well, I don't necessarily have to have a bed on a pickup truck. I'll just take that off of there, you know, because I needed it to pull trailers with. And, and I thought, well, I can hose that you know, the interior out and just get some new tires on it. And so he called me up and he said, Rick, what did you want that truck for? And I explained to him, you know, that Katrina had just come through and I was going to be doing hurricane relief work down in Biloxi and in other places in Texas. And I said, I, I want it for that. And he said, oh, no, no, you, you don't need that truck for that. I said, no, man. It's, I said, why? And he said, he said no, no, that, that truck's not good for that. I said, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. And I'm thinking, I'm praying, God, don't let him take this truck back. And I'm sitting there, and it didn't dawn on me what I was doing. I was asking, God, don't let him take this old thing away from me. God, don't, don't, don't. And it never, it never occurred to me that God could give me something made new. And so he said, look, he said, forget it. He said, I, I, I'm not sending you off with that down there. He said, just come on down to my house. And he said, we'll figure something out. So I went down to his house. He took me to a car lot. And when I walked on that car lot, I did not get that. <laughs> but what I did get was brand new like that. He, went, he got me a brand new van. I couldn't believe it. The, on that trip driving down there, I'm not ashamed to tell you, man, I wept and cried like a baby thanking God. I had made so many trips where I was having to pray that I could make it and get back in one, you know, without it falling apart. And I was just thanking God because I couldn't get over the fact that God had given me something new. Isn't it odd what we do with God? How that God has to fight us because we want to hold on to the old and God is trying to do something new in us. We, we hold on to an old habits, old way of thinking, and God's saying, no, 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 I, I make everything new. I want to make you new. Now, how many of you, if you were at a car dealership, would, would buy a car, a brand new car that was made with old parts? You remember that Johnny Cash song? I got a one piece at a time, and it didn't cost me a dime. I got a 1948, 49, 40, it sounded like it was at an auction, man. And, and, uh, but look, if I want something new, I cannot, I'm telling you from personal experience that from being able to step into a brand new vehicle and take off and pull in a trailer to do a work for God and not have to be afraid that the engine's going to blow up on the way down or my transmission's going to go out or, or the, the, the radiator is going to mess up, which, by the way, all happened to me. I left a van in San Antonio, south of San Antonio, that a church had sent down with, you know, he said, take this van down because, and the, the radiator went out of the thing and I had to leave it in San Antonio and cram everybody up in the vehicles we had going and they didn't like it. <laughs> I thought about, we have to get to the place that we quit trying to fix things with old parts <laughs> need something new 
Everybody say made new. Jesus even addresses this. He talks about the nature of man and how that they would rather hold on to the old than accept the new. Look at Luke 5, 37 to 39. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, or else the new wine will burst the wineskins and be spilled, and the wineskins will be ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins, and both are preserved. And no one having drunk old wine immediately desires new, for he says the old is better. Now Jesus is, let me give you the context of what's happening these people had come up to Jesus and they said, how come your disciples don't fast like John's disciples or the Pharisees fast? How come they're doing something? They don't do that. This is, this is the way we do things. This is the old way of... And Jesus smiled at him and he said, hey, he said, can the children of the bridegroom fast while the bride is with them? He said, the day will come when the bride will be taken away. And he said, then they'll fast. But then he really addressed the core issue. The core issue was about them not wanting to accept something new. And he said, you can't put new wine into old wineskins because what will happen is the fermentation of the wine will burst the old skin and you'll lose both the skin and the wine. He said, new wine has to go into new skins. Was he talking about, was his point about the way we make, the way, they made wine? No. His point was about the spirit. How many of you know in the book of Acts, they said, are, these are drunk. He, Peter makes a statement. He said, these aren't drunken on wine, as you suppose, but this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. He was talking about the fact that there are a group of people that will not embrace him because they like the Old Testament. They liked the law of Moses. And so he was always contending with that. And he told them, he said, I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill the law. But as long as you you desire the old wine, you're never going to embrace something new because you say the old is better. Let me bring it down to where we live. How many of you in here have listened to your kids' music and don't like it? Wave your hand at me. Hold your hand up. Keep it up a minute. Those of you that have your hands up, how many of you had parents that didn't like your music? And your parents listen to music that your grandparents didn't like. What are you talking about? I'm saying we all got our own thing going on. We all like, well, I like it this way because mine's better. It's not that yours is any better. I mean, how can you get any better than you ain't nothing but a hound dog? Literally, I listened to that the other day. I, I was going through the station. I listened to that. And I thought, I don't know how in the world that ever became a hit. Think about it. A guy sounded about a hound dog that's crying. Hadn't caught a rabbit, and he ain't no friend of mine. I'm thinking, man, you need to get out. <laughs> Literally, it's just like, what? where's that coming from? And then, but, you know, then there, were, there was a, I've got a grandson that like, likes listening to music out of the 40s. How many of you remember that? Well, I don't even know if that came out of the 40s. How many of you remember that, 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 that music out? Who? Thank you. Somebody named Glenn Miller. I guess he came in today. How many, of you, how many of you remember the song, Moon River? 
Isn't that a great song? A lot of you young people going, what is he even talking about, man? I don't have a clue. But that's what I'm saying. It's about what we're used to, what I like. Can I tell you, this isn't about us. This is all about him. And this is what he said. Listen to this. In Romans 12 and 2, and do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What's he saying? He's saying we have to lose the old way of thinking because our old way of thinking holds on to things that aren't good for us. He's saying, I'm wanting to do something new in your life, but I can't do something new if you keep holding on to the old. You've got to let me change you. He said, don't be conformed to what the world does. Get transformed by getting a different way of thinking. Somebody say, let go of the old. We have to desire in our heart for God to make us new. Everybody say, God, make me new. How many of you ever stand in a mirror in the morning? You know what I'm talking about? It's like we, we, sometimes, you know, we're looking at it and you go, you know, and then trying to straighten ourselves up and then we get, you know, we come to the conclusion, well, I can't get, I can't improve on this. You've got to desire to be made new. There has to be a desire. See, as long as you think you're right, you'll hold on to everything just like it is, whether you're right or wrong. You have to come to a place in God where you're willing to say, I don't want my will. I want your will. I don't want my way of thinking. I want your way of thinking. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Watch this. Watch the wording of it. If anyone is where? In Christ. Let me say it to you this way. If you're in my house, or if maybe the better term would be if you let him in your house, all things will be made new. How many of you you have ever had someone coming to your house and it was a wreck? You know what I'm talking about? It was... It was messed up, and you're going, and especially guys. How many of you guys are responsible for giving your wife heart failure? You know what I'm talking about? It's like you call her and say, hey, babe, I'm on my way home. I got somebody with me. What? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not ready for them to say, that, man, they start. And I've had them call me before and say, Stall, say, stall them. Take them in the living room and keep them in the living room until I get the kitchen cleaned up unexpected and so see sometimes we just you know we're not worried about the house being immaculate all the time while we're you know we don't we don't walk through the house when it's just us there and go oh my goodness there's a piece of dust we just you know we we tend to we're, we're able we had our little granddaughter with us this past week on uh we picked her up thursday from school by friday morning she's three years old by friday morning I left the house. <laughs> Babe, I got to go study. <laughs> I gotta, yeah. 
And so Debbie has her all day long. And then I called her around three in the afternoon. I said, hey, babe, how you doing? She said, she said good. I said, well, you got the baby? She said, well, I'm taking Vivian home, and then I'm going back home. I thought, what, what do you mean you're going back home? You, you're supposed to be coming up here. She said, I'm going back home to clean. I said, you, don't, you do not want to come back to this mess. And so, but as long as she was there, because, you know, we were celebrating her, and, and, and so she's just enjoying herself. But once she left, we had to clean up her mess. I want you to think about a God that loves us so much that he's willing to come in behind us and clean up our mess. Now, there, there's going to come a time when that little three-year-old isn't going to be allowed to mess up the house the way she does now. She's going to be taught about picking things up and not doing that. And you can't, you know, it's fine if you're going to play with it, but make sure you put it back. But right now, we're just celebrating them. God, if God had judged us when we were in infancy, we would have been lost. How many of you are glad that he loves us? He, he, he changes our way of thinking. Anybody, anybody in here ever have the wrong way of thinking and didn't even know you were thinking wrong? You know what I'm talking about? You, you had stinking thinking. And when you have stinking thinking, you need a checkup from the neck up, right? He said, what are you getting at? I'm getting at, look, we've all done it. We've judged people. In Philadelphia, Mississippi, I was standing in a Walmart. And while I was standing in the Walmart, I looked at the headlines. The headlines on that paper talked about a woman that had put her children in a car, put it in gear, and let it roll into a river and drowned them all. And without a hesitation, without even batting an eye, I made a judgment call. I didn't speak a word. I just thought it in my mind. And I thought they ought to put her in a car lock her up in it and pull it in gear and run it off into a river and let's let her see what she did to her kids and i'm telling you something happened that i hadn't counted on god entered that conversation in my head all of a sudden i heard the lord speak to me and said that's what she needs somebody else to hate her man i froze where i was and he said what kind of torment do you think her mind was in for her to do something like that to her own children and he said the way you judge others is the way i'm going to judge you i promise you i started repenting right there in the middle of walmart i said god i am sorry see what happens is i get into an old way of thinking and i don't even realize that i've done it and so i've got to get into christ because when i get in him he changes changes me old things are passed away behold all things become new he conforms my way of thinking he rather transforms my way of thinking somebody say make me new you ever go in for a makeover debbie's done some here a lot here i've had i've, I've seen women she get done with them i i've I, this is the truth i've seen women after she got done with them they looked in the mirror and she, they went oh, i'm beautiful 
Honest, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not playing here. It's, I, I'm, they couldn't see. They had never seen themselves that way before. You need to understand that once you let Christ into your life, he transforms you. He gives you a transformation. You end up standing in the mirror with your mouth dropped open going, wow, I never saw myself that way before. Somebody say, he made me new. When you go into the, the, the book of Mark, the book of Mark talks about how people were amazed at how Jesus was able to make them new. Everybody say amazed. As a matter of fact, the word amazed in Mark, it means astonished. It means to stun. It talks about being speechless with fear and wonder and excitement surprise the book of mark the first chapter in the 27th verse they were amazed when he cast out an unclean spirit from a man in mark 2 and 12 they were amazed when he healed a man that was paralyzed in mark 6:51 they were amazed when he stilled a storm in mark 9 and 15 they were amazed when they heard him in Mark 10 and 32, they were amazed when they saw him. And in Mark 16 and 8, they were amazed when he rose from the grave. Everybody go speechless. God ever done something that just made your mouth drop open? Just caused you to be speechless when you looked at his power to make new. There's a story, a true story, of a young boy he grew up in England. His mother taught him to read and write and pray. She did that using the Scripture. But at six years old, his mother passed away. His father was a captain of a merchant vessel, and he didn't really know how to love the boy. boy grew up feeling alone. He, his father married in a year to a young lady and they had a new baby and he slipped through the cracks. His stepmother wasn't really interested in him any longer and so he got shipped off to a boarding school and anger began to well up inside of him. Anybody ever been there? Circumstances surrounding you that just started making you angry and you couldn't do anything about it. You could, you, you, and the truth is that sometimes you didn't even recognize where the anger was coming from, but it began to play out in your life. It did in that young man's life. Man, he started getting in fights, and he got thrown out of a boarding school. They put him in another boarding school, but still the anger burned inside of him, and it was beginning to take control of him. He got thrown out of that boarding school, and his dad thought, man, what am I going to do? And he finally decided, the only thing I can do is take him to sea with me. And so at 11 years old, the boy was put on a merchant ship and became a cabin boy. He had to do everything for the sailors, and still the anger burned. He would have, find himself in trouble over and over again because of his actions. Anybody ever been there? Mad? Matter of fact, he grew, he grew up to become a fine sailor. He's a young man now, but he's an angry young man. And he just cannot 
control the anger. Then one day he got off the ship, and while he was ashore, he met a young lady. He called her Polly. He said her smile lightened his heart, did something to him. So he decided he wanted to marry Polly. Well, Polly's mama saw this young man eyeing her, and she walked him outside, and she said, you need to understand something. She's too young to marry, and we're not against her being married, but we're not going to let her marry you until you show that you can take care of her. And so when he left there, he left there with a purpose. He was headed to Jamaica on a ship, and he decided, I'm going to make something myself so I can marry Polly. And yet while he was at sea, he still wrestled with that anger and all the things that came with that type of life because you can't really get rid of your old life if you keep living in it. And so he came back. When he came back and they docked, he was on his way to Polly's house. He made up his mind. He said, I'm going to ask for her hand in marriage. He was five miles from her house when they kidnapped him. They called it a gang press. During those days, they would come, knock you out, drag you on a ship, and press you into service for the British Navy. And that's what happened to him. He woke up on a vessel, and he said, what happened to me? And when they explained it, he, and he said, we're, we're on our way to go to war with Italy. Or, and, and he said, well, how long am I, will I be on this ship? And they said, four years. And his anger grew. He despised everyone and everything. It started to play out in his actions and fights and in, 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 in everything that he did. He finally realized my anger is not going to get me off this ship. And so he made up his mind. He devised a plan. He said, I'm going to work as hard as I can. I'm going to respect all the officers, and I'm going to get off this ship. And he did that. He started working hard, started respecting the officers, and they took note of him, and they promoted him. He respected them to their face, but he despised them behind their back, and it wasn't changing him inside. How many of you know sometimes we devise our own plans? We make up our own, well, this is how my life's going to go, and let me just tell you, friend, if you don't submit your life to Christ, you don't know how it's going to go. The good, well, you say, well, well, well I, I gave my life to God and still things didn't turn out the way I wanted. They may not have turned out the way you wanted, but you never found yourself alone. You found yourself with a God that cares for you, loves you, and is going to take care of you. And then all of a sudden, when he finally got the promotion he'd been looking for, they, they docked to work on the ship. They put him in charge of the men going ashore. And he smiled. He said, you make sure these men are back on the boat. He, met the, he took the men on shore. He looked at him. He said, you be back here at 6 o'clock. If you're not, you'll be court-martialed, so make sure you're here. And then as soon as they left his presence, he took off and started making the journey to go see Polly. It never dawned on him that they would catch him for desertion. And when they did catch him, he never made it to Polly's house. They caught him before he ever got there. And now he faced a military tribunal. The captain of that ship 
had the power to put him to death or to give him lashes with a whip. He busted his rank. He told everyone on the ship, you're not allowed to speak to this man or show him any kindness for seven days. And then he took a whip and he laid 12 lashes on him that he bore the rest of his life. After that was over, the captain decided, I don't want this man in my presence anymore. It was a reminder of his rebellion. So he transferred him over to a merchant slave ship. This was in the 1700s, and they were doing slave trade. He got put over there, and still his anger burned, and he continued his way of life, and the captain despised the man. So they put in at Sierra Leone. And when they got on that island, they were picking up slaves. And the captain said, you go to shore with me. And he took him to shore. And when he got him ashore, he started loading the boat. And he said, no, you, you stay here for a moment. And he brought the Englishman that was running the slave trade on that island forward. And he said, here he is. And he looked and he said, what's going on? And he said, I've just sold you as a slave. And so that young man became a slave to the Englishman's wife that was native to that island. And she made his life miserable. She nearly starved him to death, and she said, I'm going to break you. For 18 months, he went through that. He'd given up hope. He thought, man, nothing's ever going to change for me. And then one day, a man showed up looking for him. And he said, is your name John? And he said, yes, it is. And he said, your father sent me for you. He commissioned me to search the islands until I find you, and no matter the cost, bring you home. It reminds me of another father, one that we know, that made up his mind that I'm not going to let you slip out of my hand. I'm going to search the ends of the earth and whatever it takes, I'm going to whatever it costs, I'm going to bring you home. And so Christ came, gave himself at Calvary's cross to bring us back home to God. Made me new. The young man heard the captain. He looked at me and said, I... I can't believe it. He said, if I believed in God, I'd say he did this. The captain said, believe, because God did do this. He went on the ship, and this time he was a passenger. And as a passenger, he had leisure time and free time, and he found a book called The Imitation of Christ's Life. He said, I started reading the book as a fiction He said, just to pass the time, he said, but then it dawned on me. What if what this man is writing about is true? What if the faith I abandoned, I really should have hung on to? What if the God that he's writing about in here is the very God that made provisions for my rescue and he couldn't get it out of his mind and he began to ponder it and think on it and all of a sudden a storm came up and that ship was catapulted into a horrific storm. 
They started yelling, all hands on deck. The young man went running up the deck. And the, the captain of the ship had become incapacitated, knocked down by a wave. He grabbed the wheel of the ship. And young John started trying to turn it and hang on. And he started crying out, God, God, have mercy on us. God, please save us. And for 11 hours, he toiled. And then God stilled the storm. The young man said on that day, March 10th, 1748, I gave my heart to God. But John didn't still realize all the things that were wrong around him. He became first mate of that ship and then a captain of his own vessel. And he dealt in the slave trade. John said, I didn't realize how wrong it was. He said, because in that day, everyone accepted it. He said, but after my third journey, it all came to an end. After his third journey, he suffered a stroke. He could no longer be a captain of a ship. He had married his Polly. He became a customs official, but he started digging into the Word of God. And as he dug into the Word of God, it began to grab his heart. And he said, I saw how wrong this was. And he began to try and fight against it. He became the pastor of a church. And he joined forces with a man by the name of William Wilberforce to try and put an end to the slave trade. Before he died, he saw it end. 1772, he began to reflect on his own life. And he thought about where he had been and all he had done. And he wrote down the words to a poem that would later become a song. He penned these words, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. His life was forever changed. And my friend, John Newton was about to change everybody's life around him. He would not give in until he saw slavery stop. And when he saw it stop, he continued to work and praise God. He wrote books about it. He preached about it. He went everywhere sharing about this God that had made him new. In 1802, as he lay on a deathbed, dying, has lost his sight and was losing his memory. As people gathered around him, he looked up and he said this. He said, my memory is almost gone. But two things I remember well. One is that I am a great sinner. The other is that Jesus is a great Savior. <laughs> Made new. I thought about in the world that we live, our self-sufficient attitudes. And I'm not pointing fingers at anybody. Look, man, I got my own attitude to deal with. It dawned on me how lost I was and how lost I would still be had it not been for his amazing grace. The unmerited favor of God. I didn't do anything to deserve him. But he came after me. He came looking for me. And like a father that commissioned captain 
whatever it costs, find him and bring him home. So God made a way for me to come home. He made me new. I'm not the same person I was 50 years ago. You probably wouldn't have liked me much then. But I couldn't change myself. I needed God to change me. Would you stand with me today? John 1 and 17 says, For the law was given through Moses, but grace, the unearned, undeserved favor of God and truth came through Jesus Christ. His amazing grace made me new. Amazing grace, the song didn't really pick up much steam in England. Soon died out, but 50 years after it had been written, it made its way to the Americas. Tune was changed, and it had an impact around the world. It began to bring hope to people all over. It was sung by freedom marchers in the Civil Rights Movement. It was sung right before Martin Luther King Jr gave his famous, I have a dream speech. It was sung with rejoicing in South Africa when Nelson Mandela was freed from prison. It was sung in Germany when the wall of Berlin came crumbling down. And it was sung to comfort a mourning nation after the attacks of 9-11. It was, and it still is, the amazing grace of God that makes us new. I wonder how many of you in here would be like would like to be made new today. I hear people talk all the time, said, man, I'm glad if I can get me a new body. <laughs> this one's getting a lot of aches and pains in it. I got news for you, it's coming. <laughs> it's coming. He doesn't leave out a thing. He he's gonna take care of it all. But to be made new, to be able to be free from anger that burns in us, free from bitterness that tries to destroy us, free from fears and doubts that seize our minds, free. That song really meant something to him when he thought over his life and he thought how he came to even know God. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Would you sing it once, please? If you know it, sing it with her. grace, how sweet the sound.
ourselves scripture says that it's he that has made us and not we ourselves computer can't make itself takes a creator to do that neither were we able to make ourselves it takes a creator to do that that creator saw a flaw with creation but he did not throw it away he said I'm going to make it new and so Christ came to make us new if you want to be made new today I'm going to invite you just to slip your hand up now you don't have to slip your hand up to be made new it can happen without you putting your hand up but sometimes it's just kind of good to let folks no, God, I'm not ashamed of you. I love you. I got some stuff going on in my life that I can't fix and I need to be made new. I got some things happening around me and I'm trying to fix everybody else, God, and I can't even fix myself. Make me new, God. As you hold that hand up, and you begin to pray this simple prayer those of you that are watching online maybe you'll join us and pray this prayer with us today and he can do for you right where what right where you're at he can change your life the same way he changed the life for that young man on that ship that day can we pray together father here i am forgive me change me make me new I accept you right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, would you give him a hand clap of praise right now? Now, I want you to listen to me because sometimes we say a prayer like that and we think, well, that, that's impossible. And that, I mean, that can't. It's got to be harder than that. Oh, it was. It was. It took a cross three nails and a perfect sacrifice <laughs> but aren't you glad that he was willing to pay it <laughs> aren't you glad that he was willing to give it commissioned by his father to go and find us and bring us back to him no matter what the cost and that's exactly what he's done so raise your hands and rejoice today knowing that his amazing grace is still alive it's still real and he's still searching bringing us home changing us Paul talks 
in his epistle and he says we're being changed from glory to glory you know what I discovered Tom I discovered that one change wasn't going to be enough for me <laughs> just like one change isn't enough for a baby in a diaper <laughs> he keeps messing up <laughs> so we keep asking him to change us aren't you glad that he does amen god bless you today come on worship with them as they sing this song Oh my